from day one, uh, Emma and I said that there had to be community choirs and male voice choirs in it, and that so this was written so that we had gaps for them and spaces to allow it because it's their story mm. and it has to be you know ideas coming from them and it, it just wouldn't have well it just wouldn't happen without them we would not have done this piece without including male voice choirs hello I'm Michael Graham Court, and welcome to The O Word, the podcast from Welsh National Opera. Over the next three episodes, we'll be exploring WNO's brilliant new operetta, Blaze of Glory, composed by David Hackbridge Johnson to a libretto by Emma Jenkins. Set in the 1950s South Wales Valleys, Blaze follows the fortunes of a group of men who form a male voice choir as a way of uniting their community following a mining disaster led by their heroic chorus master, David Pugh, and supported by a group of equally strong-willed women, the choir embark on a series of adventures, which include kidnapping a yodeler, taking part in a transatlantic link-up with Paul Robeson, and, of course, competing at the National Eisteddfod. But will they emerge victorious? If all that sounds like something that piques your interest, and why wouldn't it, then stick with us as we'll talk to the opera's cast and creative team, along with members of real-life local male voice choirs who are joining WNO for this special production. I'm delighted to say that joining me in the studio for this episode are Blaze of Glory's director and choreographer, Caroline Clegg, and its conductor, Stevie Higgins. A very, very warm welcome to you both, Caroline and Stevie. It's lovely to have the opportunity to talk with you in more depth about this new production. But just before we get started on all things Blaze of Glory, um, I was wondering if you could just tell me a little bit about your previous work with Welsh National Opera and why you were so keen to come back and work with the company again on this particular project. Hi, lovely to be here. I began my opera career with Welsh National Opera in, um, <clears throat> dare I say, 1997, I'll say that quickly, um, as a staff director on, on House of the Dead. And my early days there, I also did a big community opera um, in uh, Fishguard. And then in 2018, I was delighted to be the director of Rhonda Rips It Up, mm. Emma Jenkins, libretto again, and uh, Elena Langer who did the composition. So I was very eager to come back because the the idea of Blaze emanated from Rhonda. Mm -hmm. And what about you, Stevie? So my first WNO experience, I think, Caroline, is probably even 19... <laughs> a little bit before <laughs> yours, because I was a student at the National Opera Studio, and one of the great memories I had is that once a year, all of us would come up to Cardiff and observe some rehearsals and get to know the company a little bit and then do a little concert with the orchestra. And... I just remember being this slightly naive 21, 22-year-old and walking into a room and hearing Bryn Terfel sing um, Nick Shadow in Makes Progress. And it was just, mm -hmm. I just sort of thought, oh, this is, what I, this is the world I want to be in. Mm -hmm. And fast forward a few years and I had the great, um, the great sort of honour of, of, of doing a new touring production of Don Pasquale for the company in 2019, which we, we sort of revisited and reimagined set in a kebab van with... <laughs> veganism and all the sort of sort of topics of our day, and we had a really a wonderful tour, and 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 
loved bringing that to the audiences. So it was thrilling to be invited to come and be part of this, you know, create an opera from scratch, which is always the most exciting place to be. Could you tell us what research has gone into this piece to capture that sort of slice of 1950s Welsh Valley's life? So we're looking back at the research that Emma did mm -hmm. with Gareth Williams mm -hmm. and chatting with him and other choir leaders and then being inspired by Ralph Waldo Ellison's book, uh, Flying Home. And those stories inspire and springboard other ideas for the libretto. And then, obviously, once David comes on board, looking at the musical palette mm. of that period. That's fascinating, isn't oh, it? I mean, mm. it's just gorgeous. David Hackbridge Johnson is the composer. I think yeah. you said that in your in your introduction. And um, what I've never I've worked with a lot of composers, done quite a lot of new of new pieces, and his his deftness and ability to create a sense of time and space and and period is is sort of wonderful, isn't it? You know, yeah. and there's a lot of influences of um, and and I think you know, backing up what you're talking about, Emma's research. I think he's done some brilliant research into. You know, 1957 is a very specific year, and I think that's brilliant from Emma, and maybe from you, I think you were part of that as well, mm. to have that year, because it's just before Elvis. Mm. Um, uh, his his first number one was 1950, late 1957, I think, in the UK. And um, it's also the year that West Side Story first came out, so it's right, right on that cusp, but, but if you look Massive at the music, at the, in, mm. the music in yeah. England and in Wales and in Great Britain generally at the time was, was that sort of still in that post-war era of the Glenn Miller world and the Andrews sisters world um sort of swing but lots of sort of if you think of in the mood everybody knows yes. in the mood you know yeah, it's yeah. that so there's a lot of um a lot of period music in the piece that evokes that very specific time time period and then of course we have some wonderful um traditional welsh hymns mm. which of course don't fit into that so they're timeless they've been going for time immemorial and add to that, we have these specific pieces that um, Welsh male voice choirs would have sung in the local, international, national estefos, which are these sort of set pieces which come from uh, all different parts of the world. So in terms of the, the musical palette, it's like, a, it's like a smorgasbord, isn't it? It's like a, a sort of a potpourri of all of these things that would have happened and everybody would have been aware of them. What fascinates me is it on paper, if, 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 if I saw all those musical ingredients, I would think, well, that, that surely can't work. And mm. what David's brilliance is, is that he's absolutely made it work and hang together. And, 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 and it turns on a sixpence from pathos to comedy to just great fun Lindy Hop dance music to then back to pathos and then back to a little bit of a, a shocking moment. And then these everything stops a couple of times in the piece and we just listen to the amazing sound of these um, male voice choirs mm. and, and I think I don't know there's something there for everybody and nothing nothing outstays its welcome does it because as yeah. soon as you've had those moments and you just think wow that's amazing then click you're on to the next and then bang and then something else happens and then something else happens it's yeah. a fast moving energising sort of exhilarating performance I think it, it is and it takes you absolutely agree with everything you've just said Stephen and musically it takes you to a height of this real bubble of joy mm. yeah. and then the next minute it's becomes sparse and you get the, the pathos and tragic moments but then the comedy then helps it to move along because 
also playing with the new nuances dramatically in, in the 50s, the different the way that people were a little bit politer to each other and the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you would use uh, Mr. Bebs, Mr. Jones, Mr. Pugh. You know, yes. you wouldn't swear in front of ladies and things like this. Yeah. So part of that research is learning the etiquette of the time as well. Mm. But the musical influences and the fact that we have the Paul Robeson like transatlantic live link. Oh, yes, we haven't mentioned that yeah. yet, have we? Goodness. Yeah. And that's it, it also based in absolute historic fact. Yeah. It did happen. Yeah, at the 5th of October 1957, there was this live link up because Paul Robeson, the Americans wouldn't give him a passport because mm. he was being accused of communism and all this kind of thing. So it's set in a small village in the Ronda Valley but it has a global context. Yeah, and because of this coal mining scene, the great Atlantic scene starts in America, it crosses the little Atlantic, goes through Europe, and then it's this, you know, the, the coal of, of Wales being the best coal in the world it to is. power steam. Mm. At that time, it was a fabulous, ind- it was a burgeoning industry. Mm. And so we have that link up, as we do with the coal lines. It's a very clever, subtle idea of, been a global idea so you know the miners in america suffered as did you know welsh miners as did miners in yorkshire and lancashire so it has that heart of community although it's set in wales it's a global story I, there's so much to pick up on in, in what you've both just, just <laughs> said. <laughs> like, you sort of yeah, turn us on and we just keep talking. Listen, so do, <laughs> do, do talk, say shut yeah. up whenever you need. Um, <laughs> I think as a reference point for me when, I, when I've been watching it, it's, it's really reminded me of that sort of fantastic British film tradition of, of films like Brassed Off and The Full Monty and, and Pride. And Stevie, you mentioned that the humour and the heart of it, but that contrasting with quite dark moments mm. and really serious themes this is set in a time of economic trouble and um unemployment and it deals with things like men's mental health and uh, and how people deal with loss i'm wondering what role music plays maybe in in all of that in in helping the community mm-hmm. to um rebuild itself um despite those difficulties that it faces well the piece starts really addressing that doesn't it absolutely it's the whole point we imagine that there's been a sort of a mining Mining disaster disaster four years four years previous to where we are now Mm. and there hasn't really been any any music in in the lives of these men yeah because uh, mr pew was the choir leader yes and the mining disaster they lost men that were in the choir mm-hmm. and Mr. Pugh hasn't been able to bring himself to conduct the choir. He feels that guilt of loss mm. on his watch. My men, my, my, you know, my mm. fault. Mm. And he actually says that. But when we started on the, on, on the show, I made sure that every member of the, of, of the chorus as well had names and a backstory. Mm. You um, should see the family tree on the wall in the <laughs> yes. room. It is brilliant. Everybody knows who's having an affair with who, Absolutely. who's, who's married, married to who, to who and who's divorced, and whose <gasps> sister had funny, funny turn the other day. I mean, it, we've gone. Re- everyone in the chorus has a, a, a proper mm. name. They're a not name. just sopranos, altos. They all are have a proper name. They have a backstory. They have a life. They have a history. And really brilliantly is they have a, a really clear relationship with all of the other people in the community exactly like you would you know mm. and it is, yeah. is as true to yeah. to reality as, as as you've been able to make it is brilliant because they've yeah. all taken that on board and come back with bells on haven't they <laughs> oh my word 
<laughs> There's a lot more scandal than that. I, I know, exactly. The scandal <laughs> quota has definitely gone up since day one. <laughs> um, so, well, since you've sort of taken us into the rehearsal room there um, mm. a little bit already, um, so with all that research that you've given them um, and their backstories and their characters, how has this cast gelled together and what has the atmosphere been like in that rehearsal room as you work on this exciting new venture with them? From my point of view, it's been joyful, it's been good fun, it's hard work because it's it's a big piece. It is a big piece. It's, it's, yeah. it's not long. No. Because no. as I said, I think earlier that everything, uh, each of these little scenes comes and, and, and entices you and grabs you and entrances you and then it's gone before you realise that it's gone and then the next scene's coming on. But the challenge is there's, there's so much um, energy moving forwards, isn't it? It's all the transitions between these moments. You know, we're moving from the social club to the to the Eisteddfod and then we're moving to, to, mine, the, down to the down in the pit, down in the pit mm. scenes and all that stuff. And the way that we're putting it together is that that's all created by the company members. It's not, they don't disappear and then crew come on and change the set. Everything is is moving around and sort of gliding about and... and we haven't talked about the wonderful designer, yeah, Maddie, yeah, who's just Madeline, equally done yeah, yeah. incredible research into this period yeah. and, and, mm. and found these references that uh, hopefully will chime with everybody mm. who's got mm. a, a history or a relative or a, a, a knowledge of this mm. of this world. Mm. Yeah. I think it really think, will. Yeah, and, and I think, fortunately, I, I'd worked with the Mezzos and Sopranos before, mm. and I, I suppose if I have a style mm. as, a, as a director, it's that exactly what you're saying Stevie that sort of transformation on stage mm. rather than waiting for a scene change so that everybody feels invested in the energy so that it continues the music and all the scene changes are choreographed and, and yeah. things like that as well but that things start as one thing and I have my own um, unspoken rule and then we talk about it w w with designers that if there's something on stage you have to use it at least three times mm -hmm. oh is Otherwise, that the rule that's, oh, that's the rule. good yes yes okay I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch you now it <laughs> <laughs> doesn't that. always follow that's through twice, but, but that's the rule what can we transform <laughs> that into so I had this this idea about these doors when oh, I started yeah. reading this and I, I sketched this door and I sent it to, to, to Maggie I said what do you think and that could be this and then it could be that and this and that so the world is you know we have this idea of the world above ground and then we turn that so that we then see the world below ground mm. so that that the two lives of the men and the women you know and then how those worlds collide socially so uh, it's sort of definitely sort of design wise yeah mm. that's fascinating another really lovely thing in the rehearsal room that i've not experienced often in opera is that there's not really a hierarchy there's a there's a real sense of um equality amongst absolutely everybody in the room and as as Caroline said, we've got wonderful Rebecca Evans, we've got Jeff Lloyd Roberts, all mm. these people who are extraordinarily eminent artists in their field. But th there's no sense of them and us, is there? And that is something that I'm almost proudest of in that room. That, uh, as I say, yeah. there's this e equality and, and sense of we are an ensemble, and if any one of us isn't here, it's not as good. You know, it, mm. it's, it's, it's that. And that's, I tell you, I can promise you, that's a, as rare as hen's teeth in, in, in opera, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I wanted to ask about the WNO men's chorus because, um, as you mentioned, Ronda was a piece that really highlighted the, the female chorus. And this um, is a piece that, by its very nature, is, is inevitably going to highlight the men. Um, Stevie, I just wanted to ask you, when those men in the chorus are sort of in full flight, if yeah. you like, and they're performing a traditional hymn like um, Guaviador, 
or Thleth or, or Anaman, those are three that are in the piece. Calon you... Lan as well. Calon Lan, of course, Calon yeah, Lan. don't forget Calon Lan. Yeah. <laughs> That's my favourite. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's an amazing piece. Um, what is it like being in charge of of them and sort of standing in front of them while that, that noise is coming at you, for want of a, a better way of putting it? I think humbling is probably the word I'd use. Yeah, mm. nothing more than that. And usually at the beginning of the process, we spend a little bit more time on things musical, it's fair to say, isn't it? Just so that everybody's sort of on the same tip and they've sung together a lot. And um, I remember really clearly that first day because they've been brilliantly prepared by their chorus master here. You know, they've spent a lot. They didn't just turn up on day one and open the books and go, what's this? You know, they worked. So I was fortunate and lucky enough to inherit a group of singers who already had a chance to explore the music on their mm. own and um i remember that first day and they they sang one of these big i think it was the guajodiara i can't remember one of these big welsh hymns so so beautifully and at the end of it there was this sort of silence and then you have i don't know 40 faces looking at you to say you know say something brilliant <laughs> and inspiring and, and wonderful and i i didn't have any words and i was almost moved to tears because it was so the first time I'd heard them, you know, mm. do that. And it was very, very special. Um, I found a few words since. You'll be interested <laughs> in but that. But that first day, and, and, that's, yeah. and for me, that's a really interesting um, observation because that's what I hope it will be like for audiences who come to see this because they won't have heard the, that particular thing sung in that way in this situation before. And, and it's, it's, it's jaw-droppingly sort of exciting to be close to it and to mm. hear it and to feel it. Mm. Um, so I don't know if that answers it well, but the really humbling is the only word I've got. Yeah. There's no other word. Yeah. And I think it is, for me as well, I had goosebumps when mm. I first heard them say, sing that. And I've been playing it for, you know, from different choirs just to get a, a feel for everything. But to be there in the room... It's not the same on YouTube, is it? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's not, not the same. <laughs> no, any, any different recording. To, it's, it's so special, and I do have to pinch mm. myself. I'm here directing them, mm. you know, and it, it's what can I give them back? that will enhance that mm. for them you know how do i frame them you know on a state in a stage picture so that the beauty of that speaks for itself mm. it doesn't need embellishing with, no. a, with a fancy scene as i mentioned um in the, in the introduction that there are going to be uh, real life local male voice choirs who who are involved in blaze of glory um and i wanted to ask why it was so important to incorporate those men into this production and what exactly it is that they bring to the piece. Well, from day one, uh, Emma and I said that there had to be community choirs and male voice choirs in it. And that so this was written so that we had gaps for them and spaces to allow it because it's their story. Mm. And it has to be, you know, ideas coming from them. And it, it just wouldn't have, well, it just wouldn't happen without them. We would not have done this piece without including male voice choirs because it's, it, we're telling part of their story and part of their history. And, uh, and um, yeah, it's just very important that music, singing is accessible for everybody. And, you know, it's a form of entertainment. So we, we wanted them included so that they feel part of an ownership of the piece as well and for us that was absolutely crucial also i think for me is to celebrate the continuing of this tradition through the years and the fact that wales still has many many brilliant male mm. voice choirs is for me something really beautiful you know 
I grew up in Brighton. There weren't any male voice choirs that I found with that sort of history, you know. Mm. And it is, it's just so special to hear and special to the to the communities of here and and the the opportunity to to celebrate that as part of our presentation is 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 is, is really gorgeous. And I think there's it's also that that contract between audience and performers that we're slightly breaking down the rules in that because the the choirs will be in the auditorium am i allowed to say that <laughs> am i allowed to say that and so there's that sense of these there's these you know they're obviously not singing all night long i haven't sent them two hours hour and a half of <laughs> music to learn but there's there's key moments and it was re- in in reference to these moments when the when the gents of the wno course are, are just sort of singing their hearts out that we've invited them to also learn and mm. to then to come and join in so but from the auditorium mm. as well as on the stage so we'll have this sort of um hopefully fill filling the house with song is yeah. the idea to just yeah and always underlining that sort of celebratory um that uniqueness that music has to sort of unite people and to bring people together mm. as you've said there there are still well, hundreds of of male voice choirs um yeah. in wales um despite the fact that the demise of the male voice choir has kind of been predicted well, every um, every few years. Every few, few years, years for yeah, decades. it's not going to happen. What did Mark um, Twain say? My, my <laughs> rumours of my death have greatly exaggerated. Yeah. I think. Yeah. But <laughs> that said, from from working with the choirs as part of my sort of responsibilities yeah. in this production, it does seem that this moment in time, the male voice choir tradition does seem to be under quite a a bit of pressure. Um, you know the. So they talk talk about falling numbers and the difficulty of, of recruiting, recruiting new people. Yeah. I think COVID obviously had a huge it impact didn't help, on I'm the sure, players. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, Caroline, the the sort of industry and way of life that was associated with those choirs is now sort of a thing of the past, I suppose. Um, I think another thing they get criticised for is that they are seen as a throwback to a much more patriarchal time. Um, I just wanted to get both of your thoughts on all of those issues. Um, and do you think that male voice choirs still remain an important and relevant music and social organisation for their communities? I think they are vitally important. And as you said, the industry has changed so where choirs were formed, perhaps, you know, a mine or the steel industry, things like that. It was a camaraderie of the men because they worked together, they drank together, and therefore things emanated from that. So as, you know, industries changed and societies changed and, you know, the more things to do, people are a little bit more kind of isolated in perhaps their social habits, you know, watching TV and, and things like that a little bit more. But I think certainly where where I live and around Manchester, Lancashire and, and that area, the, the the massive growth in community choirs has been phenomenal, but they are mixed choirs. Mm-hmm. So I think there's been a change there. Mm. But I think, you know, you've got um, uh, Boys Aloud and, and things like that that have shown the, the country, if you like, through the, the, the platform of, of TV and Britain's Got mm. Talent and things like that, how special they can be. And I think... I think they will grow again. I think they're going through a period of change, yeah. um, and I think they will they will grow again. Perhaps not the 
you know those ba those barriers have been broken down now with the patriarchy and, and things like that and we do have a wonderful song about that in the show mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. but you know can we have a, a choir leavened with the female voice mr mm. Pugh? Uh, and i think that's been a key change really mm. um, a mixed choir i think it's a political hot potato at the moment isn't it to yeah. do with male spaces and female spaces and mm. spaces in between and i think the answer to your original question is i think both actually and and there's a there's a place for men singing together and i think there's a place for women singing together and there's also a place for it all to be combined and i think that's where we're moving towards but we're just mm. sort of we're sort of slightly dancing around the edges at the moment yeah, just trying to work out what that change. what that means and we don't want to exclude of course you know and i think sometimes cathedrals are going through the similar thing with boy trebles or or, or girls and you know mm. we're just we're just finding out where we where we are you know and um i think eventually there'll be space for everybody and i think that those community choirs that you're talking about are relatively new but they in you know when we look back in 50 years that will become the tradition you know and mm. i think those things just constantly evolve and change and mm. so there's something exciting for me just because it's a different sound hearing tenors and basses singing in 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 those sort of six eight sometimes ten part harmonies um which is just a, a unique sound mm. you know um I don't know if I'm answering the question, but that's what it just feels like. It's a, it's a thing that's worth, um, worth referring to. I think is the best word. You know, the fact that it, it has existed in Wales for hundreds of years. Mm. We shouldn't pretend that it didn't. I don't think. Mm. And it, it's a celebration. It's uh, yes, it's a, a looking back at that period, but I think also at the end, it's looking forward. Mm. You yeah. know, from an audience's point of view, we don't give you any answers. We just present these ideas and then go away and uh, and sing and, and, and be joyful. So it's uh, and, and it's not just a, a, a Welsh thing about joining a choir and things like that. Although it, that's the the heart of it, I suppose. Mm. Um, I think singing with others. I think singing that's the with key. others. Singing itself is, it. is is medically proven to be sort of quite cathartic and, and creates yeah. hormones and. Uh, what, what, what's, what's it called? Endorphins. Endorphins, thank you, yeah. <laughs> but there's something about doing that in a shared environment, yeah. whether mm. it's with men, women, mixed, whatever, it, it doesn't really matter. That yeah. The thing that is is quite special about the possibility of this piece is that that, that joy and that experience can be mm. shared with, with people in the auditorium. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean... Thank you so much. Well, what a pleasure to talk about. We, what a yeah, pleasure. This is the first time we've sat and just sort of talked in I this know, way, not, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, since we started rehearsals, it's just been so full on that we haven't had a chance to actually breathe, let alone have a chat. Next time, I'll be joined by two of the cast from Blaze of Glory, Mark Llewellyn Evans and Nafisatu Batu Dharami, who will tell us all about their characters and their experience of being part of that WNO ensemble. But until then, goodbye. <laughs>